You're listening to Behind the Business Powered by Social House, a live interview series for entrepreneurs and creatives hosted by Tiffany Lanier. Each month we'll interview a local entrepreneur and peel back the layers of what's behind their entrepreneurial journey, brand, and lifestyle. Our goal is to inspire, empower, and support entrepreneurs and creatives as they pursue their work. Fun fact, all episodes are recorded live in front of a studio audience right here at Social House. So if you're local to Lake Worth, Florida and surrounding areas, please be sure to join us for the first Wednesday of every month. We would love to have you. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the fifth episode of Behind the Business, powered by Social House. I'm your host, Tiffany Lanier. I am so excited to be back with you for another episode. If you missed episode four, we interviewed Jules Aaron, author of some of the most magical books to help you eat and live well. She talked to us about staying true to herself and her vision in pursuit of landing her book deals while growing and building her presence both online and off. You can listen to all of the episodes on the Social House blog at socialhouselw.com forward slash blog. During our live recording of this podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Allison Seligman, mother, professional blogger, speaker, and entrepreneur, who you will get to learn about in just a moment. But before we jump into the episode with her, I want you to take out your calendars because we do have some really great events that you need to know about coming up over the next month. So I want you to mark your calendars for August. Yes, we're getting you ahead of the curve so that you can know that these events exist and that you want to be there. First up is Saturday, August 17th. We're bringing you Presence and Profits, an intimate retreat to help you show up powerfully and confidently in your vision and your message while giving you the tools you'll need to become a profitable expert in your industry. It'll be an exhilarating day to step into your power, own your ability to shine unapologetically in your your work and be in community to learn and mastermind. Early bird pricing is now available, so be sure to check that event out. And then Friday, August 23rd is the Lady Boss Clothing Swap. It is back. If you've never been, this event is such a treat. It's a beautiful event for a wonderful cause outside of actually getting to swap your clothes, which is good for the environment and good for your wallet. And all of the leftover clothes are donated to Vickers House, a local nonprofit here in the Palm Beaches. This year, the Lady Boss Clothing Swap will be a full-on ladies' night out experience, so stay on the lookout for those details, which will be coming soon. You can register and learn about all the events that we have going on here at the house at socialhouselw.com forward slash events. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today, Allison Seligman. She's a motivational and personal growth speaker, passionate about empowering women to live fully into who they are meant to be. Allison was temporarily paralyzed from the chest down nine years ago and now lives daily with a rare neurological condition, but still she persists. Allison is the owner of 
of the SBS agency, a PR and marketing firm, as well as a successful life and style blogger for the modern savvy. And she's raising two kids. So in my book, she is called the modern day superwoman. Allison is phenomenal at sharing the incredible lessons that she's learned for overcoming obstacles and seeking out your true joy. And now she dedicates her life to motivating women to do the same. So without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Allison Seligman. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. It is equally exciting to be with you. You are a phenomenal woman, so thank you for having me. (laughs) And we are here. We are here. (laughs) We are here together to have a great conversation this morning about you, your journey, your business. And I'm really, really excited to have you on the couch. I'm excited to be here. And we're we're very cozy to be for Facebook Live, too. (laughs) We are very close. Um, (laughs) And we're both rocking the floor dresses this morning. We are in our hoop earrings. In the hoop earrings. So we are matching twinsies. I like it. Twinsies, I love it. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So in your intro, I touched on briefly about, you know, the story of being temporarily paralyzed Mm -hmm. and overcoming that very challenging period, I'm sure, to get to where you are now. So I would love for you, for those of us who don't know you, to tell a little bit about that story and how you overcame it to be where you are today. Absolutely. So about nine years ago, I was celebrating my 30th birthday. My I was four days from my 30th birthday. My daughter was four months old. I was feeling really weak, and I just didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, my skin started burning. And when I say burning, it felt like I was on fire from the inside out. And within three days, I was paralyzed from the chest down. Um, I wasn't able to... My bladder wouldn't work, so I eventually went to a doctor who drained a liter of liquid from my bladder. And... I couldn't move. And this, I went to a neurologist and she said, I need you to go to the hospital. Do not go home. Do not get anything. Go to the hospital. Obviously I made my husband stop at our house and get my clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. And we went to the hospital and because she had seen one patient in 20 years, um, who had transverse myelitis, she had an inkling and started the medical protocol right away. When I went to sign in at Jupiter Medical Center, they gave me a pen to sign in with my, my name and the pen dropped out of my hand. And oh it was terrifying. I, you know, I had a four-month-old daughter at home. I had been working full-time at another PR agency. I had just been coming back to work from medical leave. I was pumping. I was doing everything. I was running around crazy. And we just had no idea what was happening. You know, my body just it stopped. It stopped working. And I was in the hospital for over the course of a month as I slowly began to learn how to walk. You know, first it was a victory to be able to sit up in bed. And I say this like as in third person, because I'm sitting here on this couch and I just walked up to you and you'd look at me and you would never know that anything is wrong. And I had to learn first, you know, then how to walk to the walk with a walker to just the end of the doorway and then down the hall and then without a walker. And then because we had a two story house, I had to learn how to be able to walk up a flight of stairs just once a day. And when I went back home, I wasn't able to carry my daughter. I had to have a full-time nurse. I didn't go back to work for four months. Um, my bladder never regained function and I was learning how to just be this new version of me. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of grief and pain and frustration. I mean, I'll be honest. And I seeing a counselor, I talk a lot now about mental health and I'm a very big advocate of um, investing in yourself mentally as well Mm -hmm. as physically for that reason. And I had to learn just when you, like when you lose someone, I had to learn how to grieve my own body. Yeah. 
And I eventually went back to work um, and it was not a good environment. It was not healthy. I was fired from my job actually um, to focus on my health. (laughs) That was what um, I was told. And so I realized that was the best thing that ever happened to me because that was in July of 2010. And in August 2010, because I'm a lunatic, I said, I'm going to start freelancing and I'm going to start writing a blog because these are things I could do manageably from my home. I had always had a passion for connecting with women. I love sharing deals. And through what I had been through, I really wanted to have more honest conversations. I felt like I didn't even know what a blog was. Like, I don't even know, looking back, like blogging, that was like the wild, wild west, they say, of blogging. I was, I joke that I'm one of the OGs, you know, you nine years of blogging. that is an OG. It's crazy. People are still like, what's a blog? What is a blog? They <laughs> did not know. And I just started writing a blog. It was then called The Average Girl's Guide. Now it's The Modern Savvy because I felt like I was, even though I had these things, that I was just like this real average girl. And that at the end of the day, all of us, you, me, everyone in this room, all of us listening, like we're the same girl who just wants to live the best version of ourselves, you know, just wants to live that best life. And so I started doing that within a year. Um, I, my blog was successful. I had already had a partnership with Target, my PR company. I had hired my first employee. A year so what came first? The same. They, I actually, they started at the same time. They started at the same time. Okay. I actually... Um, my husband's an attorney, so I'm very lucky <laughs> because he's a business and real estate attorney. So we incorporated both business. I made them a business. It was never a hobby for me, but I incorporated both businesses as an S corp um, in August, 2010. So next month I'll be celebrating nine years of wow. both businesses. And it's just been an incredible journey, um, you know, for both of them. And so for a while, you know, some months one takes precedence Mm -hmm. and for a while the blog was killing it and I was doing so well. And I was, I just had such an incredible, like so many incredible opportunities. So what was, what was it like when you first started? So you started four months after you Mm -hmm. got out of the hospital, you have a baby, a baby, you decide to incorporate a business and well, both of them, the blog and the agency as businesses. Mm -hmm. We're Why? Like, how did that? How did, Why did that happen? Occur? Just in, you that, know, in that moment, you're like, I can, I'm gonna do this. I'm, how did you get to that point where I'm just gonna make these things happen? Because for a lot of people, just just the baby part <laughs> puts you in a place of, oh my god, I might be losing my mind. Um, oh, and yeah. how do I do anything? Just being ill, right? With is it an autoimmune? It's an autoimmune um, disorder, and it's basically it. So basically, what happened is lesions attacked my spinal cord and anywhere there was a lesion my body started like stopped working so when lesions attacked the part of my spine that connects to my bladder it stopped working and it just came out of nowhere came out of nowhere and it happens and because it's I'm one in a million because it's one in a million it impacts people in different ways so I've actually met people who have varying forms of it with different needs mm-hmm. some never came back from paralysis some were never treated properly or didn't the doctors because it came on in a span of months mm-hmm. not three days. Mine was very quick. It took a long time for doctors. They just had some burning skin and like different, different, they had some pins and needles in their feet and it just, Mm -hmm. it kind of kept going and they weren't, they didn't make the same recovery that I did physically, you know, at least outwardly. So as you're asking about the businesses, I think, you know, paralysis is a huge, you know, making that decision and 
business paralysis, I should mm-hmm. say, not, not my own <laughs> not physical, physical paralysis. paralysis. Right. But you know what I realized actually in, in you asking that question, I think that I just had a passion for, I wanted to use my brain and I had this passion. I just jumped in and I think interestingly, like I wanted to do motivational speaking now for two or three years. I was asked to do a keynote about two years ago. I had never spoken in front of anyone. I had only typed and I'm like, you want me to speak? I speak really fast. I like get very awkward. I use the ums and the ahs. <laughs> okay, sure. Let me speak in front of 400 of your people that you're paying to be there and hopefully trying to raise money. Sure. And it was the most empowering, incredible and phenomenal experience. And then I kept saying I wanted to do it and wanted to do it. And I didn't do it. And I didn't make it a vision because I was busy and I'm raising kids. And yes, I mean, I legitimately was those things. But I think the more you think about something, the more you become paralyzed by that, that fear of like what this has to be as opposed to just jumping in. And I think with my PR company and my blog, it almost nothing existed. So like there weren't blogs. So I wasn't compete. I didn't feel like I was competing or I had to be better than anyone. I didn't get in my head. I just started writing. Mm-hmm. And I think my PR company was funny. I, um, I started, I didn't have business cards. I had nothing, you know, and someone, and it really started because someone came to me and said, Hey, dear, are you doing consulting? And I said, Sure. Adam, I think I should be doing consulting. <laughs> sure. I'm doing consulting. Like we'd love to meet with you. We're starting a new law firm. And I had a background in, um, in economic development and law and legal services and professional services. And I said, sure. I had to go to Kinko's. I had to make, I made business cards somehow like on word, saved it as a PDF, went to Kinko's that day, printed them to bring them like ridiculous, not, not <laughs> my level of quality paper. Right. Um, I like a thick card stock and I just went and I made it happen. And I think sometimes we get so in our heads mm-hmm. that we don't make those decisions. And I think that's what I did with motivational speaking. I knew I wanted to do it. All I, I, I bought my AllisonSeligman.com URL and I did nothing with it. And I kept saying I wanted to do something and I'd sort of write a paragraph and then I'd be like, but what if no one wants to hear me speak? And and I speak so fast. And what if I don't really have anything to say? And, you know, I think that that's what, that's our biggest problem. Like we're, we're our own for sure. worst enemy. And if you want to start something, start something. It's always interesting, I think, when, because I feel like I have a very similar story when it comes to, like, certain certain businesses or certain projects that you begin, you can do it just fluently. Like you're like, I'm just going to start this thing. And then someone just comes up to you like, do you consult? Or will you, or can I hire you for, yeah, it just happens. But the thing that you become like very passionate about, like to the point of, I really want this, you become more well, that- analysis paralysis because you start questioning and doubting everything of that you are every ability that you have. Because I did the same thing with speaking. I knew that I wanted to be a motivational speaker when I was in college. So, and I did do it in college, but I remember being interviewed for like a newspaper for this organization that I started. And they asked, what are you going to do after college? Like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I was like a motivational speaker. I had never said that like in my life to anyone out loud. So I thought it was very odd to say it to this reporter. Mind you, it took me what? fast forward like another six or seven years before I would ever take like to another stage. It would be like some more years before I would call myself like an actual public speaker. All this time knowing that it was something that I really wanted to do. Meanwhile, I started a marketing company. I did all these other things that were just like, sure, I'll just do that. And it just comes a little bit more fluently. And you're letting it sit in your soul and you didn't do anything. And, And that's, if it's in there and you feel this fire inside of you, you just have to put it out there. And you know what? Most likely you'll sort of and maybe you did not. I'm sure you were fabulous the first time, but you're, you might sort of suck and you might fail and that's okay because I'm sure I, suck I tell my daughter that all the time. Like she gets so frustrated and she's so hard on herself and she's only nine years old. And I say, it's okay. It just matters if you get back up and look what you just did. And like, she was even doing dance and acro and she couldn't do like, she hadn't done it. So she wasn't very good and she yeah. wasn't very flexible. 
and I reflected back on her recently because she's doing these like incredible moves. And I'm like, look, you kept trying, you kept showing up. And if you keep showing up, you will get better. You will become really good. And people will pay you. People will pay you. (laughs) People will pay you. And you'll be able to live that life that you Mm -hmm. want. But you have to be okay with the fact that you are not going to be great the first time. Yeah. And if you never start... If you never start, but if you say to yourself, I don't need to be an A, like that's like when I work out, like if people are like, Oh, but how often do you work out? Like I can't do it. I go tell yourself you're going to work out once per week. If you tell yourself you're going to go work out seven days a week, you're going to fail and you're never going to do it. But if you tell yourself you're going to do it once and it, wow, you get to the gym a second time this week because a spot opened up your calendar. Well, now look, that's victorious and it's empowering and you want to do more the next week. So that's think, habit building too. It's exactly. like that, like half a percentage increment to change. But if you set yourself up trying to be like, all I'm going to like do this complete 180, you know, shift in myself. And then you like, yeah, but like, set yourself up for success. And if you do that and say, it's okay if I'm not amazing the first time, you'll keep going. Cause you're like, okay, I, I'm not, I don't need to be an A. Yeah. Like right now. I will be. I will be an A. I will be an A, Mm -hmm. but you have to practice. Okay. So with that in mind, Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to build the business, build the blog, and now building the public speaking career, what were some of like those beginning challenges, even though you did start right away? Because a lot of the time, the analysis paralysis is in that beginning phase of just like, should I even start this thing or should I do this thing? You did the thing. But what were some of the challenges that you might have faced like once you did finally just get started that you saw when it came to acquiring clients or getting people to notice you or even like the blog in 2010? Totally. So I think that there's my two biggest challenges is one as any entrepreneur entrepreneur knows is that you have to be all things like I couldn't afford yet to hire the person to help hopefully hire my first person and to do my finances and clients want me to bill but I wanted to be able to offer all services so then I have subcontractors and I'm outsourcing but now I need to do the finances for all of those Mm -hmm. but I actually need to do the writing and I need to do the work and my blog I actually need to do the writing but all of these emails are coming in and brands want to negotiate contracts and I'm reading contracts and I'm writing back to emails and I'm, I'm doing all these things where a client hasn't I haven't yet spoken to a client and I haven't written one word you know for my Mm -hmm. blog and so there's so much behind the scenes that goes into all this work that no one ever sees and that can be sometimes infuriating because you're like I just want to do the work that I'm passionate about yeah and so I think (laughs) the biggest challenge is like one either being able to delegate and find people that you can work with or partner with when possible for my blog I pretty much have always for a brief time I let my husband take some of my photos it was not a good experience and difficult on our marriage because I'm like my zipper's down you took 40 photos of my hair like this like the whole thing was a disaster we'd wind up arguing then I would have to spend hours editing I suck at photo editing mm-hmm. I don't have the time for it so my highest and best use and I always think when you can afford to highest and best use I was able to make more money because I had time to do the things I was really good at so if I could spend x dollars which wasn't super significant and invest in myself yeah sometimes we have to invest just a little bit in ourselves to be able to make the money and build the business that we want to build. And so I outsource all my photography. It's wonderful. I go, I coordinate on my own and I have the vision. They take all the photos, they edit them, they send it to me, they're ready to go. And I did none of that. And that saves me like 10 hours. And so I think being able to delegate when possible is huge. Recognize that you also are not going to be amazing at everything, you know? So I think that those were some of the biggest challenges. And when it comes to genius, so yes. like really learning how to like navigate and stay in your zone. Yes. Zone of genius for sure. Because I am not a genius when it comes to finances or photography. <laughs> and then I think when it comes to blogging or anything, when you're working in a new industry, you have to rec- there's 
there's no precedent. There's nothing. You don't know what you're doing. You're trying to create new graphics and new, mm-hmm. new vehicles. And I think some of the people that have impressed me the most, I'm like, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. So sometimes just because it doesn't exist doesn't mean it's not a great idea. Like you can have a genius idea, but you're like, I haven't seen it. I don't know. You're probably sitting on a gold mine. Just trailblazing. Yeah. You have, sometimes have to be that trailblazer, especially in a new industry, but not necessarily. You can be a photographer with like, sometimes I see photographers and illustrators on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, like that perspective. So it doesn't have to be a new industry. It mm-hmm. just has to be a new way of thinking about how you can make what you're, what already exists better. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important from the delegation part, because we all are likely doing things that we don't want to do, but then... I feel like I'm micro, like I'm, I'm like such a perfectionist in that regard. I'm like, can I let this thing go? Even though I feel like I do it better. And that's something I've been working on a lot. Me too. Lately. <laughs> Being like, no, you go ahead and you do it. And I'm like editing in the background. Um, <laughs> even like with my husband cleaning the kitchen, I'm like, oh, but thank you for cleaning the yes. kitchen. <laughs> but you know what I've learned even in, in allowing others to, whether it's the, the work at home or work in your business, that even letting them do it and you just having to come back and clean up little things, they did like the bulk of the work. And so versus you starting from the very beginning of that project and taking it all the way through all that time that it would have taken for you to do that, that you could be spending on the more important things being in your zone of genius or or what's calling you within your business or needing time and attention, like sales a lot of the time. Right. Um, What I was going to say, just on that note, I think that as you're growing your business and as you're hiring employees, I think, a mistake I made initially that I, I'm better at now is that when in writing, they would send me a press release to review. I would edit it and then send it on to the client instead of then tracking my changes, going back to my team and mm-hmm. talking through why I made the edits I made. Because if you never teach your team right. why you're making the changes or why the plan is updated in a certain way, they're never going to get to the place yep. where you need them to be. So you need... It's frustrating because you're like, I don't want to take this time. I just need to do it. But you need to invest the time yep. in teaching your team or teaching your contractors the way that you want the final product to be. So I often always go back and send a separate note to my team member and forward them what I, the way I sent the note to the client. I mean, a lot of times they are in direct contact, but if it's a subcontractor, you have yeah. to explain Yeah, I do that. that even with like social media. So I have an assistant who does some of my social media posts for one of my brands and I'll be like, I made this correction and this is why. Like the why is everything. Look at it from like this position, from this angle. So allowing yourself to, it it can be frustrating, especially in the beginning because you're like, well, then what was the purpose? Why did I take on, like, why am I spending money hiring people if I still have to do so much of the work? But just like you mentioned earlier, everything is a practice. Just like you're not going to be at your A spot in the beginning of your career. They're not at the A spot for what you need. Need until you teach and train them to be who you need them to be and exactly. allowing them to learn and grow through that process versus micromanaging the whole thing um, allows for you to have also a very effective communication style and approach to how you're building and growing your people. Yeah, more collaborative. And that's mm-hmm. how you build a business. It can't only be you. You know, you can't run eventually, really hopefully, a huge business with just you and your brain. So let's talk about building the business. So the monetizing, the Mm -hmm. money aspect of it. I know particularly um, when it comes to consulting and having an agency, obviously we're looking to get clients and Mm -hmm. sometimes that's personal relationship building, networking, cold calling, all of those things. And it seems more tangible. Like people can kind of wrap their mind around that. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to blogging, they're like, I don't know this mystical land of of creating in the online space. And what does that look like from taking the pictures to, you know, writing the blog and the content to actually getting someone, a brand to say, 
yes to you. Hey, like, hey there. Hey, hey. we see you or you pitch them and that kind of collaboration. Like, what does that process look like? Totally. So just to tell people who don't know, the way that I make money as a blogger is a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. One is through brand partnerships. Um, they pay me X dollars for, say, a blog post, an Instagram post, X number of Instagram stories, Facebook, whatever that might be. Maybe it's just an Instagram post or an Instagram partnership. I try to avoid just one-offs because I don't think that that's as authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I also make money through um, affiliate income. And I don't know if you know what affiliate income I is. Do. Okay. Yeah, so, but for those who, <laughs> for those who don't briefly, um, on my website and through Instagram, there are tracking links. And so when someone makes a purchase, whether it's from Amazon or from, um, Nordstrom or Target mm-hmm. or any of these places, I make a small percentage anywhere from three to 20% mm-hmm. on that purchase. So you don't even have to purchase. It's like if you like this dress and you click on the link for the dress, you don't even have to purchase this dress. Any of your purchase. The entire yeah. purchase, when the cookie, that, that magical, mm-hmm. delicious cookie tracks <laughs> your purchase and I make a, a commission yeah. and then it's through third, a third party. Mm-hmm. I use a company called Reward Style. Um, Shop Style is another popular mm-hmm. one that is used and then Amazon has its own affiliate yep, an network. Influencer network yeah, too. Its own influencer mm-hmm. network. So those are the primary ways that I make money. There's like little bit yeah. like other ways. So when it came to landing like that first brand deal, because I think mm-hmm. you talked about that a little bit earlier, like what did that look like? Totally. So back in the day, I mean, Target came to me and said, we're looking to work with influencers. It was their first time. Um, they selected 19 people as part of this thing called the Target Inner Circle. I was like, how did you find me? I wound up going, they invited us to New York for three days. And then we were at their headquarters and we went, I got to, <laughs> I got to like hang out with Nate Burkus, who is like my like age, like home like God, I don't know. He's so (laughs) handsome and so talented. And they had all of these incredible experiences and they were just looking to partner. I mean, I went to this event and I, I was like such small beans. There was one girl. She's like, yeah, you know, I kind of do, I do Pinterest. And this is like back to 2013. I go to her page. She had 2 million followers. And I was like, what? I just did this little Pinterest thing. I pin every once in a while. There was this other other lady, Gina, who was lovely, (laughs) who did recipes. I met Gina of Skinny Taste, who has like five cookbooks, who is like my friend. Now is this, there was this other one who's like Jenny from I Spy DIY. She has like this huge thing. She had a brief television show on like HGTV or something like that. She's amazing. I mean, it was like these phenomenal women um, that they came, that came together. But now it's mostly... Either I pitch a brand, um, I get on their radar. What if I'm going to pitch a brand that I really like want to work with? I make sure that I am tagging and engaging, and in general, that they see me. So I'm not. If I'm really interested in Social House, for example, we're here, and I want to work with them in a paid partnership, and I've never mentioned them, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Hey, I love your place. We should partner." Well, that's not very authentic, mm-hmm. um, and they don't. And nor would my readers if all of a sudden I came out of the woodwork and started talking about how it's my favorite place to, co- you know, be my favorite co-working space. You need to see You're me like, here. You've never been there before. Yeah, like what are we you doing, doing lady? <laughs> um, so it's really amazing, and I've worked with some brands, like even right now I'm working with Ann Taylor. Like I share a lot of like when I'm doing like work outfits. I've shared their their posts over time or things like that, and so so relationship building, relationship is building, so important and, and getting on their radar and using mm-hmm. social media to do so, I think is a is a huge tool. Whether that's a restaurant you want to work with or a restaurant group, whether that's a brand or a product or a service, um, I do bartering. You know, depending mm-hmm. on what it it's for, and especially like say, there's a new up and coming photographer, they want exposure, and I want you know, I need great photography. That could be an opportunity to collaborate. Mm-hmm. I just spoke yesterday. I went to a blogger event, and there was a someone who's in wellness, and she's creating. She's a, a personal trainer, and her legs were like 
incredible. She's a dancer. <laughs> and I mentioned that we could potentially work together. I'm not looking to be paid for it. It's a win-win from a content perspective and an exposure perspective. But when it comes to those big brands, there's third-party networks. There's a ton of them now. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. And I'm part of all of these networks and brands um, have campaigns. And so do you see like a big difference? Okay, I mean, there is a huge difference between 2010 and now because yeah. they're is a lot more saturation, I guess, in the marketplace for just about any subject matter. Absolutely. So reaching out to brands or building those relationships, to me, would seem a little bit more difficult in this day and age. How do you compare it? Or better question, um, how do you think people can stand out now when they're thinking like, oh my God, there's so many people that do the same thing that I do? Totally. So the market is so saturated. And so I think that one, like I said, being on their radar to taking the time to reach out to the right contact, like just sending and then using their name, like LinkedIn is the best resource. You could find anyone from any brand on there. You look for their PR director, sometimes a lot of times on the website of a company. If you even want to work with Target, you just go, you can look at their media resource page, look at their press releases, see who it's coming from, start to make the connections. If I'm, hi, like, you know, as you could tell, like I'm a huge fan of your brand. I would be interested in coming up with a very brief email. You don't need four pages about why you're so great. You know, it's all about what's in it. I think about it in life and when you're working with clients, when you're pitching any client, what's in it for them? That's the reality of it at the end of the day. What's in it for them? So why would they want to work for me? What can I do for them? And And let's start the ball rolling there. And so... Is there a local angle? Do I offer fresh perspective? Is it a brand that I see that a lot of my friends are wearing? For example, Express is a brand that like targets a younger demographic. I haven't worked with them, but that would be, I find so many cute clothes there. Mm-hmm. And that would be a way like, hey, and like as I tag them and say, reach out and say, hey, if you're looking to work with someone more in their mid to late 30s, moms, I have so many friends who find deals that are just like clothing at your store that is just like what I find at Bloomingdale's from Joie and all these expensive brands. If you're looking to do any campaigns that target a little bit of an older demographic, I would love to work together. And then maybe like attach a photo, include a media kit. I highly recommend if you're a blogger or anyone in like a creative space like that, you have a one to two page max media kit. If you are not a designer, there's probably plenty Canva. of people. There's Canva. <laughs> there's Canva. But even Canva on, on, on Etsy, yeah. there's templates for 20 bucks that you could buy from someone and you can have, you could fill it in yourself or you can have someone, they could, they could fill it in and for you. And utilizing like Fiverr. Fiverr, like, exactly. Have like, really great. Great deals and helping you build uh, these things out. Exactly. So if you don't, and again, highest and best use, if it's going to take you 10 hours to build that out and you're like never going to do it because you're like, oh, it's going to be so overwhelming. It's daunting. And you get in your head and you don't do it. Go on Etsy, spend the 20 bucks, go on Fiverr, go on any of these sites, find someone at Social House, invest the money and just be done with it. Like call it a yeah. day and have that document that you can update, include what your stats are, include a paragraph about yourself, include any brands you've worked with, things like that. And I attach that almost all the time. I have a separate rate card. I never include that um, until I learn a little bit more about what the brand is looking for because you never want to undervalue yourself. I've had times where brands have come to me with numbers, girl. <laughs> I'm like, this is like three times what I would have said. <laughs> Score. <laughs> so you don't want to give that, you don't want to include, and sometimes people do, you don't want to include that rate card with your media kit like in one document because you really do want to learn about what the brand wants to accomplish and maybe writing blog posts your version of what a blog post, maybe even what they want would be yeah. much different. And now you're setting yourself up for a much lower number and doing a lot more work. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice. Yeah. Remember, remember that everybody <laughs> for anything that you do, like there's a lot of room to negotiate and work. I out love negotiating. Deals. Yes. 
I always first like start even with clients now. I'm like, well, do you have a budget in mind? Especially I work with a lot of nonprofits. Like, do you have a line item in your budget already for what your PR and marketing expenses might be? Let's like have a conversation because one, I don't want to invest the time putting together a really thoughtful proposal. I like to make my proposals are not cookie cutter and I take the time to understand the client and their needs and really what their goals are of whether it's for PR or for working with a brand. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to put that together, I don't want to be like totally off the market. If they have $200 to spend and I want a thousand, like, and it's never going to meet. And I'm just throwing out two numbers, but like, yeah. that's, you know, it's, it's not a match. And so let's ha- like, I try to start to have that conversation first. And if they give a number and I'm like, Oh, well, that's okay. That's good. Like I was kind of in the ballpark if they see $2,500 and I'm like, well, I was more in the ballpark of like three to, you know, 3000 to 4,000. But you know, if we can meet around three, like that would be great. And they're like, okay, good. And what can we do for that? And I would, be, would have been happy with 2,500. Like it almost is like such a win when I can get them to throw out a number first. Yeah. Awesome. Good advice. <laughs> also good advice. So this month and over the next uh, six weeks, really, we're having more conversations about showing up, getting paid. Um, and we know that women tend to struggle with like taking up more space, right? Mm-hmm. Taking up space, like quite literally, like as we move on, <laughs> taking up all... <laughs> I'm ready. I know. Ready, right? We're taking, up, we're taking up more space, both in our presence, our, our actual physical presence, as well as when we show up online or when we're negotiating. Yeah. Um, how have you managed to overcome like any imposter syndrome or taking up that space that is necessary for you to like land these deals? I think on, I mean, part of it, I think comes with a little bit of age. I think that when I was, I remember being 27 years old and I would go into meetings with like some of these older gentlemen who had very, like, they looked at me and they're like, there's no way she knows anything. And I just walk into that room and I'm not going to let anyone, even if I'm like terrified on the inside, you are not going to see it because if you show up and you come up with some good ideas and you are prepared, you're going to win over anyone. And I think that's how you take up the space is like, you have to walk in and you have to be prepared. I think to me, like that is one of the biggest things is like people expect to do all these great things, but you have to take the time first and just believe in yourself. I mean, I know that sounds like super cheesy to say, but if you believe in what your capabilities are and feel in like your core, or you could pretend at the moment that you feel in your core that you are capable, then you're going to take up that space. If you are worth, like, I believe like when a salary or a brand deal or something, I have a, I have a value. Mm -hmm. And so I expect to be compensated for the value that I provide. If the value doesn't match, that's okay. We have sometimes different budgets. Like it's not personal. I still love you. And I still think your brand is wonderful, but maybe it's not going to be a paid partnership and maybe it's not a collaboration and be okay with walking out without something happening. Be okay to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And holding, like staying in integrity of your value, your worth, what you know you want Mm -hmm. and what you walk into that space with versus feeling like you have to cave to be anything that anyone else wants you to be. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. And so now as a speaker, you Mm -hmm. spend time motivating and inspiring others, but who motivates and inspires Allison? I know this, um, maybe this sounds a little ridiculous, but I, I really think it's all the women I connect with on a daily basis. I am so empowered and motivated and inspired to do and share more. And I'm like, I'm a very, I put it all out there. Like I talk about how, like I have pee problems and I've talked about, we've adopted our son and I've talked about a failed adoption. And, you know, unfortunately my dad passed away a few years ago and I talk about grief and some days when like things I'm really good. And some days when things really suck. And I think that I get messages from other women about how they've shown up in their life sometimes as a result. And it like sounds, sounds like 
weird to say out loud, but like as a result of some of the things that I've shared. And to me, that is the biggest gift Mm -hmm. and motivator in my life is that if I've had an impact even on one human being and encouraged another woman to feel her presence and to feel that greatness that she has inside of her, I mean, I can go on like that can like move me for months. People have started businesses or know that they're not alone. Like if they have trouble conceiving, like just because I look one way doesn't mean that I don't have all this crap. We all have stuff. Like we all have stuff. We all have our stuff. And mine is different than yours. And and I'm not looking to win. Like I've I've joked. I'm like, I'm not looking to win the crappy contest. Like (laughs) this is not a competition I would like to win. I would, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want us all not to have any of this, but it really, when women know we're not alone, like that's a really powerful feeling. And I think it gives us, and like, it gives us that like inner peace that like, okay, like I got this too. Like I could do this. And so it's these other women it's all these women around the world that like when I'm, when I'm speaking to people, like just like I get a DM and someone slides into my DMs. <laughs> I love those. Slide into my DMs with like this, like, you know, just whether it's short or long or whatever it is, or like I made an outfit recommendation. They like walked in fierce to a meeting and owned that meeting and took up the space because of a really great dress I shared or because I shared a story about like how, you know, whatever else it was related to more of like my personal yeah. journey. That's wonderful. I mean, I think all of us are, Obviously, there's always those people that inspire us, just like you inspire those women. But usually getting to do the work that we do and the inspiration comes from that ability to create transformation and to create change in other people's lives. I know personally, I feel like that too. Whenever I get a DM or an email, especially when it's like totally out of the blue. Totally. Where you're just like... I do matter and I do make change in people's lives and I didn't know. I mean, we know, but sometimes, you know, we all have our stuff. Like you said, we all have our stuff. There are days that even as motivators or people to who inspire others don't feel inspired or motivated. And that's very human. And I think we all have to realize that no matter if you're in kind of the, the inspirational, motivational spaces as we are or any space that you're in, that at the end of the day, you're human you're connecting to other humans in business. You're connecting to other humans. And all we can do is try to like put our best foot forward and understand and be more empathetic and compassionate as we are interacting with each other. And and to me, that's inspiring and being able to create that kind of change simply through demonstrating an outfit to like actually getting deep into some, you know, more of your personal aspects. And that's all beautiful. And I was going to say, and if you're in a business right now, sometimes I think we can get in a bit, little bit of a rut. And, you know, in my PR world, I work a lot with nonprofits. I'm really passionate about like helping others in general, probably as you can tell a little bit, but I think that we can get so in the weeds of our work that we sometimes don't focus on the outcomes and the impact that we're having, or we don't even ask. And every once in a while, I'll have a nonprofit client who will send me, like they'll forward a note from whether it's a donor or a recipient of something. And it was like, they saw this article in the paper as a result of like a press release we worked on. Then we pitched the reporter and it resulted in this story and either money came in or someone's life was transformed. And like, Sometimes it's okay to say to a client, like, you know, we worked on this. I would love to hear like how, like what has been the impact like of some of this work and making sure that you're finding out not just like the output of what you're doing, but, and not in in a way that you like need to be like thanked or with the gratitude, but really just because, because it matters to me, I just want to make sure that like we're having the impact, you know, and like, and we're, and what we're doing is resonating. So if you could share things like as they Mm -hmm. come in and to me, like that's very motivating as well. Yeah. You know, but, and taking the time to like hear those things. And if I can piggyback on that from a business perspective of why it's important for you to know like your impact, because obviously it's measurable and you can start putting those things, but also from like a personal perspective, I remember telling people that they should have brag sheets. Like you 
should have a sheet of paper or sticky notes or something with you at all times. And on those days that you're feeling like you're not worthy, things are not working out, you're not landing the deals that you want. But if you keep a record of all the receipts, as in all the people who did send you the emails, the DMs, the client testimonials, and you have a box or a paper that you just bring out and you're like, no, I'm totally awesome. It's just today. So I can move on and know that I'm still just as valuable as I was yesterday or last week or last year when I was making these things happen. And I might just be like in a personal rut of some sort, but doesn't mean I'm any less awesome totally. than I was then. Just a little side note, a little tip. I like that. <laughs> I'm very tip. into a little okay. sheet. Let's go ahead and get into the fire round. We are wrapping this conversation okay. up. So I'm just a little nervous quick. about this one. It's, it's really going to be... <laughs> Painless, I, I promise. So what's your favorite work tool? I should say, I don't want to say Instagram. But. I knew you were going to say it. I just knew it. Instagram. I actually love, I have a private Facebook group for my readers and that's actually like, I know it's not a tool, but it's my favorite thing. Yeah, it's a favorite way to connect. Yeah. Awesome. Wine or cocktails? Lately, I'm going to have to say a margarita from Parch Pig in Palm Beach Gardens. They make the best margaritas in town, folks. I like salt on the rim as well for gonna what it's worth. Go. <laughs> going to have to check them out. Favorite season? Fall. Florida fall? Florida fall when it's not like 9,000 degrees. So like, I'm <laughs> maybe like November-ish. Okay, November-ish. Um, all-time favorite song? Oh my God, I'm not going to have an answer for you. Okay. But I am very into, I don't have an answer for you, which is horrible, but I've been very into country music lately and I have a slight obsession with this gentleman named Thomas Rhett. So I'm going to go with just anything by Thomas Rhett at the moment. Anything by Thomas Rhett. And the book that you recommend to others to read the most? It's a good question. I just started reading, and I hope I could say this yeah. on here. I just started reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I'm very, and I'm very into it. So I highly suggest, and it has a really pretty orange cover if you just want to have it on your, on your table as well. So once you're done with it, it like pops out at you. It reminds you, but I'm very into it and I'm probably going to start reading it. Um, start reading it again. I love that. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you for having me. You're amazing. Sharing your heart. We appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to Behind the Business, powered by Social House. Learn more about today's guests, upcoming events, and how you can be a part of our live studio audience at socialhouselw.com. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at our handle, socialhouselw. Until next time, remember, business is always better together. So get out of the house and get social.